Hey everybody, my name is Bob, and welcome to the Late Night Playlist. Go ahead and grab your favorite adult beverage and get ready to talk about the album of the week with my friends and me. Let's get started. Uh, so, so, Joe Pass, Blues You Can Use, no, 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 Blues Dues, live at, uh, live at Long Beach College. 1980. 1985 1984 1984 it's fast don't forget about big brother right good stuff right so i'm this was my recommendation so i'm gonna shut up i want to hear what you guys thought i mean i thought this was kind of probably a little different Uh, okay there was a there was a silence i'll start off i love joe pass let me yes. start off. Let me start off with that. And this has been a difficult week for reasons I will not get into. Uh, I like Joe Pass, but I have to be in a certain mood. Yeah. For Joe Pass. Yeah. yeah. Uh, That's fair. Uh, and uh, I usually get in the Joe Pass mood around November. Uh, so you're you're kind of like a. Uh... Uh, who was who was uh, Black Flag? Uh, Henry Rollins. Henry Rollins. Yeah. Henry Henry is very seasonal in his listening, so that's that's interesting. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, I, I do. I, I listen to Joe Pass and 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 Wes Montgomery and a few others more more around the uh, Thanksgiving to Christmas time frame. They that's fair. In my mind, they're Christmassy, not not Christmas, but Christmassy. Uh, and I, uh, I listen to them more. Uh, I'll be honest with you when it's, when I'm just listening to them, I have a hard time telling the difference between when one song stops and the other song starts. Gotcha. <laughs> you know, it's funny you should mention that cause Brett mentioned offline that he was listening to it while running and it got stuck like on a third song on a loop, like over and over again, while he was doing his run. And either yes. thought that was one long song, or they all sounded exactly <laughs> the so, same. You know? so, right. so. I'll tell you exactly what happened. I was in Sarasota, Florida, and I'm running, and some sweat. I'm I'm listening to this on YouTube, and some sweat dripped into my phone. And what it was doing, it was, it was, it was somewhat randomly picking any one of the first three songs. Ah. <laughs> so, so I'm. I'm 45 minutes into this run and I thought, my God, this sounds familiar, you know? And, and uh, then I realized what was going on. I'd listened to the same three songs <laughs> for 45 minutes. <laughs> I thought, well, if this was in a God of Vita, then that's possible, but <clears throat> they weren't, you know, I quickly checked that out. And then I realized what had been going on. Gone. So, Kind of building off of what Bob said, mine wasn't so much seasonal. I've listened to the thing four times this week, the album four times this week. I was having a real hard time to get into it, and I can't couldn't figure out why. Yeah, because he's dude is a phenomenal guitar player. There's no doubt about that. But for whatever reason, I just wasn't getting into it. I think Bob is onto something. I think I was listening to it at the wrong time. Maybe not the wrong season, but the wrong time of the day. I was listening to it during the day, you know, as at work, it was running while I was working and stuff. I think maybe if it'd been in the evening when I kind of calmed down and had a drink or something like that and put it on, 
I probably would have got into it a lot, a lot more than I did, or maybe, you know, like on Saturday or Sunday morning or something like that, put it on and listen to it. So I think and, and, I, and, I'm, and I was hesitant to say anything because I didn't want to disparage it because the dude is phenomenal. On well, guitar. it's not, There's, it's not, it, I think to your point, it's uh, so I originally recommended, uh, I think my original one on the list was Virtuoso. Joe Path Virtuoso. And I don't know if you guys know the history of that whole album. But then I, I wanted to do something live because did you see that first quote I sent you guys today? Yes. Uh, yes. And, and that was a life-changing quote for me because I started to get into like Wes and Joe and more jazzy type stuff. And Why don't Joe's you repeat that quote for us here? Since so the Joe's thing was, um, you know, basically you've got to have uh, an, uh, an hour of music that you can play live without a rhythm section by yourself. You, you want and me to repeat it verbatim? I've got it up here, Tom. Go, it, go. Uh, guitarists should be able to pick up the guitar and play music on it for an hour without a rhythm section or anything. Joe Pass yeah fair and and so you know so think about that and think about like what we used to go to uh uh the down under there in Galpless, and we'd listen to the guy from over in point pleasant hell he's my uncle's brother and i can't I was gonna say i thought he was some sort of relation to you yeah you know some bitch sit there and play every fucking neil young song you ever wanted to hear you know <laughs> for an hour and at least but to be able to sit there by yourself, you know, not having to dole out music to a whole goddamn band and, and sustain a crowd for an hour play, playing music, that became kind of a goal for me that I'm still working towards, still trying to build that set list. And uh, so that inspired me instead of doing like Virtuoso, which with, you know, one of Joe's albums that just knocks me out. I wanted to do a live album of his. And this one was literally just under one hour. And it is literally Joe sitting down in front of a bunch of people in a fucking restaurant in Los Angeles and banging out a handful of jazz tunes in just under an hour. So you're the people are probably sitting there, what, eating eating uh, fish, drinking wine, and, and, and uh, you know, Joe is there playing these tunes. And um, as, as I've come to really, so do you guys know some of the background on Joe? Yes, I don't know anything. All right. Well, so, Bob, feel free to lean in and embellish. Uh, Joe was like a phenom early on in his career uh, you know he, he he grew up in uh, rural Pennsylvania dad bought him a guitar said I need you to learn learn some songs and I'll pay for your guitar and he did that and uh, and a lot of Joe's early albums are are fantastic but somewhere along the way Joe got lost and Joe got addicted to heroin 
And Joe ended up in a treatment facility for several years, Cyanon. I, I, I think it's out in California. And the world just lost Joe for several years. And then Joe, as he recovered, he, he played on a, an, uh, an album called Sounds of Cyanon that was all kinds of musicians that were in this recovery facility. And that was kind of Joe's reemergence to the, um, uh, the industry. And, and he just, who knows what the hell the guy was doing? I mean, he was good. When you listen to the albums that came out before he got hooked on heroin, the guy was incredible. But when he came out, I mean, you talk about a goddamn crossroads moment where this guy goes down and cuts a deal with the devil. Who knows <laughs> what the fuck he was doing? Was he playing his guitar in there? I don't know. But you have the guy that walks out fully formed. And, and eventually somebody just says, Joe, and, and I forget that it was the guy that ran Pablo records. The guy said, Joe, you just need to put out this series with you playing solo guitar. And that's where you got the virtuoso one, two, three, and four, the virtuoso live. And that was the rebirth of Joe's career. Mm -hmm. He just literally now he still played gigs with Ella Fitzgerald which i mean jesus fucking christ that's that'd be yeah. like going out that's, and playing with robert plant today yeah that's i mean the, the guy back. the guy backed up ella fitzgerald and those albums are fantastic and then if you want to hear joe in a different environment you can listen to joe in the oscar peterson stuff with neil's uh mm. neil's henning orson peterson or whatever great ensemble player but where did joe leave his mark on the world solo guitar and and who the fuck what what if you'd have walked into this restaurant in la and sat down and got you a goddamn lobster and a beer and all of a sudden joe <laughs> joe fucking pass walks out and plays anyway i'll shut up for a little well, you know, no, I got questions. Is he? I don't. I didn't read any background on the man at all. Is he still alive? No, no. Joe died, right. and and I got in a discussion with one of my favorite music journalists. Is um, uh, Bob? Who's the guy? I just subscribed to his Substack. Um, music journalist on on the Substack. Ted, Ted Joya. Okay. So Ted, Ted's written a lot of great books on jazz and music in general. Ted was uh, kind of Joe's, when Joe went on tour, Ted was the guy that kind of carried his guitar case to and from the hotel and the, the venue. And, and I said, Ted, everybody's dying. Who the hell's going to write a Joe Pass biography? Because this is a life that needs to be celebrated. I mean, look at the path this guy took. And, and he's like, there's just not, not enough people left that really know it all to the point they could write the book. I mean, Ted's written several biographies of 
great jazz musicians and he's probably the only guy left that's somewhat close to had a had a really good relationship with joe and he doesn't feel like he could do it justice right wasn't that yeah. uh you you just sent a video of yeah. him and uh rick uh i can't i can never pronounce his name beto yeah yeah rick beto uh talking about joe pass like a week or yeah. two ago yeah <laughs> yeah so uh I'm I am a Joe freak. I have anything I can find on CD, anything I can find on vinyl, and and my appreciation for Joe. I think about his talents in several layers. I think about the theory and somebody who you know you talk about understanding jazz harmony and theory and internalizing it to the place that it's there and then you talk about the technique which is you know having the physical facilities to be able to execute the theory and joe had both those beyond any beyond question i mean better than anybody else in the world where joe really excelled in my mind was like the third level the ability to improvise and just on the fly go there and that that gets to one of the other quotes they sent where joe said you can't think about this stuff and you you think about how much this guy internalized all that theory right that he could literally play any tune any key any time any style and uh entertain you and that's kind of the fourth level you know you've got the theory you've got the facility you've got the improvisational ability and then this guy was just cool he was entertaining so so tom how do you really feel about him huh? yeah. <laughs> how do you really feel about him it's a... <laughs> I, you know, Joe's up there with like Jimmy and Wes and he's a God. He's just so a God. I believe I may be wrong about this, that uh, Keith Richards once described drug addiction and rock and roll music as an occupational hazard. Uh, <laughs> what is it? What is it about playing guitar? Get you on heroin. Where's the link here? so you know it's cool you cool wow um when you read like about new york manhattan in the 30s 40s 50s and these guys uh uh having to just be awake and 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 you know, they're doing sessions all the time. They're mm -hmm. doing live dates. They're they're traveling all over the country under the worst fucking conditions. Um, uh, you know, and I think a lot of the 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 drug side of what you see in rock and roll, to me, I see it. It came through more the jazz side. And, you know, your Charlie Parkers, your Miles Davises, your John Coltrane's, all these guys fell into the trap of uh, 
whether it was creatively or just trying to sustain themselves to make the dates or make the appearances uh, or, or just wanting that, that kind of out there feeling, you know, they get hooked on the, the, the heroin. That's where they all in, ended up. Right. I know, I know that um, I've listened to the Eagles a whole lot and, and we're not talking about the Eagles, but I, I remember a quote by Glenn Fry. And it was when they were recording the Long Run album, and and uh, they were between songs or between takes of a song. And he said, "And this album is brought to you by cocaine." <laughs> <laughs> they they made it clear, you know, <clears throat> we are using cocaine as a creative tool. We're using cocaine to keep us awake. We're keeping using cocaine to keep us focused. And I thought, wow. That is not my image of, of drug addiction, you know, awake, focused, and, and boosting creativity. But that's the way they felt about it. I, I'm a full supporter that there is that side to it. You can be a functional user and, uh, and get something positive out of it. Or you can just kind of fall in the toilet and uh and get lost in it it's i i thank god i've never come close to that line i think the problem that many of them had was they never knew where the line was there you go and and maybe if they did know where the line was they didn't care because they they couldn't see that it was actually hindering their performances instead of helping them you know, I, I, when you were, when you were talking about that and I don't, I don't talk about this band very often because I don't have a lot of good things to say about them quite honestly, but I think any talk about drug addiction in music, we have to talk about the band kiss. Oh, there you go. Um, because they were never addicted to anything. <laughs> what about ACE? Did, afterwards okay so after he had been yeah that was my understanding was afterwards was when he got involved in all that stuff yeah but when uh when when kiss was going on when they they were tight and specifically paul and gene ran that place with kind of an iron fist yes they and did. they wouldn't let that stuff happen Probably you know, a wise move. They and look; they're still there today. Still there today. Still making making lots and lots of money. Um, I don't know that they've made the most amount of money, but they've probably. Uh, what they're was comfortable. The, they're comfortable. What they probably done more licensing than any other band that yeah. I can think of. You know, <laughs> well, that's, uh, I'm trying to I'm trying to think of the line that Anthrax had. Uh, you you offered drugs. You offered joints. Uh, we don't do drugs. Do you get our meeting point? You know, whatever, whatever it was. Um, but uh, I, I think it's a choice, you know, and it's, it's a tough choice probably for an 18 year old kid who's away from home, doesn't have the best moral compass, uh, has some free money, has everybody around him saying, you're the greatest uh, has, has unlimited access 
to to sex, drugs, and rock and roll, and people telling them do this and you'll you'll be better. Why wouldn't you choose it, right? Huh? Huh? Well, I can tell you, I don't have any substance abuse issues at all. But boy, I sure love this mystic mama. <laughs> Cheers. On the Dennis Leary had a joke once, something about, you know, musicians and drugs. He goes, oh, you don't want drugs and music? Well, then just take all your good albums and throw them away. Just before we're all on drugs. They were all fucking high. I, you know, I think it's one of those things where you can't judge. You can't say, uh, well, the folks that went this way were bad, or they, the folks that didn't were good, or the albums that supposedly got made this it's good music's good music right and and who the fuck cares how these guys came to it how it made it to us um uh thank god it did amen and <laughs> the stories behind it let's just enjoy them right. um Dude, uh, tom you're talking about the restaurant yeah um Dante's uh, or yeah. was it a Dante's was it there's one where he's live at Dante's I forget where the, this this one was. this was live at Long Beach Community College or something like that okay probably a college show there yeah. you go um so maybe my question's not valid I don't know but uh but anyway the the restaurant let's let's go back to the restaurant so my question is valid um so so Joe Pass is playing at this restaurant and and all these people are walking in you know looking looking for uh some uh some fresh lobster or whatever right because <laughs> because the only way you can kill a lobster is to eat it right yeah so do they know who the hell joe pass is do they care that it's joe I, pass I, playing up there i have thought so much about that especially with like a lot of these older jazz guys so so what west died in the 60s right mid 60s uh, you know a lot of these guys uh, i don't i, I don't want to say the jazz guys in general a lot of the guys i love very few of them made it out of the 70s and um i think they are an acquired taste and my guess is it got to the place where a lot of these guys, you know, they, they, there were probably people walking in and out that didn't know who the fuck they were, but hopefully they appreciated it. And I mean, so I, I watched a, a documentary with uh, Tal Farlow. I don't know, Bob, if you ever sure. watched that on um, Amazon and Tal and, um, uh uh lenny lenny uh not lenny bruce but lenny uh lenny kravitz no <laughs> no shit lenny, uh, lenny dykstra uh, fucking... <laughs> we're getting we're getting further out there now but but talon talon this other guitar player uh go out and and they're just playing in this local bar and and they play the most fucking incredible set i mean it's a set that we're watching it 30 years later on youtube right 
I'm guessing the majority of the people in that bar had no fucking clue who these guys were. Right. But, you know. So, so did you guys notice, uh, I think, Bob, you brought this up a while back, that uh, uh, professional coffers, uh, I noticed there were at least two, probably three different people <laughs> coughing and sneezing and doing all kinds of crap in the background that I thought, man, this is amazing. So the, the age old question that I always ask on a live album, you know, how much of this was redone after the fact, I don't think any of this thing was redone after the fact. I think they hit record and this is what they got. Yeah. I, well, I think so. And it's been put out on multiple, uh, 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 brands or, or mm. whatever, what, what do they put music out on? Uh, labels, formats. labels, form labels, yeah. multiple labels, different disc covers, different album titles, and and right. it's it's the same album. Lenny Brew is the guitar okay, player yeah. that was playing with with Cal Farlow. But this, to me, this is kind of like, uh, you know, how did we start this thing out? Who was who was the blues player we were listening to? Sunhouse. Sunhouse. And, you know, I think this is one of those recordings kind of like Sunhouse where, thank God it's out there. Yeah. You know, and Joe's got a lot of them, thank God. Yeah, he's got a lot of albums out there that uh, that are just kind of out there sitting around waiting for people to listen to. Yeah. That are that are awesome. No, because when when you started talking about the restaurant, what it reminded me of, I uh, I had read a story of something that happened probably twenty years ago in a subway in New York. A classical violinist had gone down into a subway in New York. They multi million dollar Stradivarius. Stradivarius, yeah, yeah, and uh, and was playing in a uh, you know for for a couple of hours. And people were tossing quarters and dollar bills into uh, into this, you know, four hundred year old violin case that that dude carried down there with him. Yeah. Uh, and he was the same guy who had who had been playing in in halls, you know, probably probably the next day and the probably day before. Like Carnegie Hall. Yeah, yeah, with thousands and thousands of people in them, uh, but they were just walking by, ignoring him, uh, or tossing a quarter in. Uh, so it just made me wonder, you know, as we, we kind of pay attention to what we want to pay attention to. I, I, I think we're inclined to pay attention to what we're programmed to pay attention to. And thankfully, some of us resist the programming a little bit, <laughs> you know. Um, and when I say that, I don't mean amongst these four because let's face it we're fairly discriminating folks when it comes to our music but the general public i think to you know to ted joy and rick beto's uh point have been programmed for a number of years to swing a certain direction and very simplistic and and the shit that makes people money and sure. You know, thank God, thank God somebody records this stuff. Same, you know, the guy down in the, in the, in the 
subway that that, that uh, played at Carnegie Hall the night before, and I remember seeing that. Thank God somebody appreciates it because you know I don't think a lot of people do anymore. Right. Well, and that's I it. thought that I thought that too until who was the band that we did recently that they did all their stuff on YouTube and they got discovered they're a young band rock and roll. Oh, uh, uh, Dirty Honey. Dirty that's Honey. It. I had just about given up. I thought, man, it is all just mass production garbage now. And then Dirty Honey, and I'm like, wow, okay, all is not lost. Sometimes shit breaks through. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> we could have an entire conversation based on that Goya Beto conversation that you shared with us, Tom. And, uh, uh, and they brought up good points about why are songs now so short is because spotify pays you per stream not per minute yeah of your song so there's no incentive <laughs> to do an eight minute song because it's going to pay the same as you do a three minute song so we, we you do the yes. minimum song necessary to kind of get people to listen to it and that's all you do right they don't would, pay you would, for more than that would yes ever do a close to the edge now i i don't think you would i mean would you know in a gata de vida <laughs> you know um Ameri you know, as a American pie. American pie. You well, know. Yeah. We we asked that question, but I think the answer is yes. Uh, but I just don't know if it would have the same impact that it did. Or, mm -hmm. you know, I think it would, uh, knowing what I know about everybody we just mentioned as a museum, as a musician, do I think they would have done it? Yes. Because you know what? They didn't give a shit right. about making money. Money wasn't their motivator. And I'm, thank God that mentality is still out there, that music's still out there. And, you know, the shit that like Rick Beto and, and Ted, Ted Joya were talking about, that's, that's the marketplace and it is what it is. And, you know, I think you just waited out. Yeah, well, I, I, that's been going on forever. I mean, maybe not forever, but as long as radio's been around, that's that's how it's going to be. You know, there's going to be popular popular songs, and you know, it's it's what's that's a what's good the point. what's the average now? You've got uh, it's it's like three minutes something is something the, like that. Yeah, I think like song? in the in the seventies and eighties, it was two and a half three minutes now i mean rick and and ted were talking about how many seconds oh it, it might be maybe maybe i was misremembering i i thought they were saying they were under three minutes and that era of the you know the seven and eight minute song seems to have kind of disappeared but you're <laughs> right you know the beatles weren't exactly producing you know dream theater length <laughs> recordings right. back in the day you know so they at were, least initially yeah okay fine but you know it's uh but i i think ted and, and uh ted and rick were talking about kind of this path towards the 15 second uh tiktok video oh there's that yeah that's a different and, beast yeah than spotify but yeah and a, that's they see that's where the music industry seems to have their target is holy shit we need to get our content down to this point so that we can sell some shit 15 seconds oh. wow that's a 
And that's a sound bite. That's not yeah. a song. Yeah. Well, dep- yeah, I guess that all depends. But you know, TikTok that's, and YouTube shorts and stuff, that's what they are, are bites. They're your, not uh, full length. What's your ability to focus on something, right? Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean. What's your attention span? Yeah. Yeah. God, I can't imagine being entertained by something like that. Well, I, so, I can, but not a song. Most of my, <laughs> I can't even, I can't think of a song. Like I, all of us have like, depending on our mood, we'll have our top five favorite songs or something that you can rattle off at any given moment. None of my favorite songs that I would ever list are going to be less than four minutes long. Now, I mean, some, uh, Bob, you remember the Stormtroopers of Death? Sure, sure. I remember the Stormtroopers of Death. I think there were a few there that were close to 15 seconds. There, there were. And uh, uh, in case anybody's wondering, I actually listened to uh, Method of Destruction just uh, about three days ago. So uh, very, <laughs> those, very, very close to Stormtroopers of Death had the same those, band members. But those uh, guys may have been seeing the future. Right. Visionary, you know, there's been some punk that way. I remember seeing No Effects in concert, and they did like six songs in three minutes or something. They were, right. they announced that you know, do six songs in the next three minutes or something like that. I so can see thing, that. Through. You know, you talk about so Joe Joe Pass. You talk about that. Uh, thank God, there's I've I've got so many Joe Pass albums, so many Joe Pass CDs, and the digital content thank god it's all out there and it's funny because um joe uh joe let's see i think at one point in his career he played a fender jazz master Hmm. and all of those uh virtuoso albums were recorded on a gibson es-175 uh, acoustically not played through an amp just joe sitting there playing the 175 acoustically and then uh i think the first joe pass signature guitar that came out was an ibanez jp20 hmm. and joe actually played the ibanez guitar for uh, the end of his life hmm. that was that was his touring guitar you know it's it's probably a uh wasn't a, a solid wood guitar it was a, a semi hollow body or something like that or uh the what do they call where they compress the wood and oh, like a laminate? laminate 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 and so it was a laminate that he could take with him for low low maintenance but it's hilarious <laughs> You look at uh, uh, the very few guitars that Joe played when he was live and all of the tribute signature <laughs> guitars that have come out. So you've got the Ibanez. Epiphone's got a really good Joe Pass signature guitar. Mm-hmm. Uh, Washburn had a really good Joe Pass guitar. Joe never played any of these fucking guitars. Right. <laughs> except the Ibanez. The rest of them, you know, just people selling the name, slapping sure. it on the guitar, and making money. 
does not diminish the guitar. Some I've got one of the Epiphones, Joe Pass Epiphones. It's a fantastic guitar, but Joe never played an Epiphone. Did I that see come the out when he was alive or when he was dead? Uh, the only one that came out when he was alive that I know of was the Ibanez. Right. Okay. I so can see the just... Epiphone. I just can't see the uh, the Washburn. You know, uh, the Epiphone, uh, it's just a, uh, a phone call between Gibson and Epiphone, you know? But... <laughs> and, and it's funny, the Washburn is like a mirror image of the Ibanez JP20. Just, it's a Washburn, not an Ibanez. Hmm. And you track these things on um, eBay. And the Ibanez JP20s, you, you're going to pay... 1500 2000 bucks for one the epiphones you're maybe 500 800 sure. um the washburns you know you can probably stumble across one for 50 bucks <laughs> but uh so is this just like the estate just trying to make a few bucks after the fact or something i don't you know? i i don't know I don't okay. know. I just thought it was funny that these these guitars get pumped out there, and this guy probably never even knew they existed. All right. Are 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 Washburn and Ibanez in any way connected? None whatsoever. Huh. You know, my guess it was a, a, a kind of a marketing deal that when one dropped it, the other one picked it up and just took the design and made it. Right. I was just wondering, you know, because I, I remember when uh, when Ibanez got the got the hell suit out of him by Gibson uh, all those years ago. Uh, I was just wondering if anything like that happened between uh, Washburn and, and Ibanez, but I never paid enough attention to either of them. So, you know, and it's funny because uh, all of those Ibanez, what, what they call lawsuit Ibanezes. Mm -hmm are those are fantastic guitars they're better than the gibsons for that matter right and they're made in japan they're cheaper and if you can find one you're still going to pay out the wazoo i mean you're going to pay two or three thousand dollars but you're probably going to pay two or three thousand dollars cheaper than you'd pay for the same model in a gibson they're great guitars they all got picked up by tokai so mm. t-o-k-a-i so Tokai is now making new versions of all those Gibson Ibanez lawsuit models, and they're available. And I, all the reviews I hear, they're fantastic guitars. Mm. Fantastic. Can't you know? Can't tell the difference. Right. You know. So I don't know that story. Was it a patent violation or a trademark violation? Do you guys? Yeah. No. It was everything. Yeah. <laughs> okay they they basically just uh they they bought a uh they bought a gibson uh les paul and said hey let's let's go make some copies of this shit and that's what they do okay okay because you know like i see telecaster knockoffs all over the place out there it's right. you know that's, you know, I think that uh, there's very little that's protected anymore. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the patents expire, but I didn't know if the shape of the guitar was somehow trademarked. Well, or, this was a long time know. ago. Okay. 
mean, I, I don't know if I don't know if the patent was it was expired, but I mean they everything was exactly the same. The electronics on the inside, everything. Wow. You know, wow. The, the number of windings on the pickups, it was all the same. Wow. So, okay. They just went. Yeah, gotcha. that's usually frowned on. Yeah. 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 A few <laughs> variations would have probably maybe saved them, but hey. Yeah, it could have. You play the game, you know, you deal with the outcome. So. Interesting stuff. Well, I hope. I realize it was an oddball choice, and uh, you, you know, you got to be in the in the, in the mood for a guy that's a fingerstyle jazz guitar guru um uh, but there hey that's joe i don't think it was an odd choice i just think it was uh it, he's he's exceptionally good i, I just like i said mm -hmm. i gotta be in the mood for him and yep. just wrong time of year for me i i hear you yep no no questioning of the talent that's was good and it's fine that he was playing solo i i think sometimes more should do that you know we talked about seeing the bars lord knows i've seen enough you know solo guitars to bars play well, most of them are singing badly but that, you know it's funny that's one of the things i tell my kids it's like uh um you need to figure out what you enjoy doing and how you can make money doing it doing that yeah on your own without being employed by somebody because when the shit hits the fan and uh it's you know you gotta take care of you and your family or whatever what a better way to do it than go out and play solo guitar Neil Young tunes down down under, or on a different level, go out and play some jazz standards in a, you know, community college or steak restaurant out in L.A. Tell oh, your yeah. kids to master the fifteen second song, become TikTok stars. <laughs> I, you know, so. I've already mastered it. I go done. <laughs> that's that's a different kind of mastering. <laughs> yeah. <that's>, uh... <laughs> I don't know how many people pay for that, Tom. But that's a... Hey, good look at the TikTok. People pay for anything. Oh my God, probably. Yeah. TikTok so, won't do it. Only fans will. There you go. I, I, I'm watching YouTube the other day, and there's an OnlyFans commercial comes on, and I was like showing people cooking and stuff. I just burst out laughing. <laughs> I'm sure that that's on OnlyFans, but that's never what I hear why people go to OnlyFans for is to watch someone cook a meal. It's well, you know, the internet so, is about learning to cook. That's what that's what the internet yeah, is. Yeah, well, for. that's fine. I, I watch plenty <laughs> of cooking shows on YouTube, so I'm not gonna and how to tie a tie. That's sure. critical. Right. Absolutely. So yeah. uh I want to talk about the album just for a second. Um as as I was <laughs> As as I was running, the hell with that. I was, yeah, I, <laughs> I wanted to. I, I kind of wanted to see this, and I I hated that I couldn't see it. I could only hear it. You know what I mean? I don't know if there's a video recording of him doing this particular show, but uh, my favorite song on the on the album was Blues Dues, 
And <laughs> if if you listen, yeah, I know y'all did when when he starts it, everybody laughs and he, he stops. And I don't know what was going on. I'm I'm curious what was happening at that moment because then he started the song back up. But something got everybody to laugh, and I, I wish I knew what that was. It's so it's interesting you ask. Um, so with Joe, there is thank God there's tons of YouTube content, and I would not be surprised that you couldn't find this concert on YouTube live. Okay. Um, and so I think it would be worth worth looking at. Um, my favorite is blues and G and uh, so uh, just for your future interest if you if you are so inclined Joe's got a number of albums where he does exclusive blues sets in the vein of blues dues and blues and G and and it's good's good shit man so okay so I'm a little troubled, Bob. We didn't discuss all the happenings from 1984. Is that the year this was? Well, do, you, do you want to know what happened in 1984? I can do that. Okay, so, <laughs> so 1984. You want to talk about 1984? 1984 was an interesting year. Number one, it's one of my favorite books. So get it, read it. It's not a fucking instruction manual, people. <laughs> what is today? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so in 1984, Michael Jackson, remember Michael Jackson, right? Mm-hmm. He, he had a, a little problem in 1984. He was in a Pepsi commercial and caught on fire. Everybody remember, remember that. that. His hair was burning. Yes, yes. I do. Yes. Another 1984 event. Uh, and this one was a good one, although, and everybody will agree that this one's good. The second one that goes along with it. I don't know how many people even noticed it, but uh, Joe Perry and Brad Whitford rejoined Aerosmith in 1984. I tell you what, so I hate to interrupt, Bob, you know what my first Aerosmith album was? Done with Mirrors. Done with Mirrors. Thank you. That is one of my favorite Aerosmith albums to this day. I love that fucking album. I think it is literally one of their best albums. I and was, that was that's when they both came back in, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They both yeah. joined, and then they they went on tour, and then they immediately went into the studio and did "Done with Mirrors," and that album didn't even go gold. Yeah. Well, I don't think people. Uh, it was a generational thing. Mm-hmm. You know, until they got some some the Desmond Childs and all the guys involved, mm-hmm. and they wrote some songs that the kids liked, and the Permanent Vacation came out, right? Yeah. And I I think everybody was like, "Who the fuck are these guys?" <laughs> you know, are they the, what the, the Run DMC's bigger brothers? I just thought it was it was such a great blues rock album. You yes, know, was. there was there was a slide on almost every song. You know, they were just raunchy and fun the entire <laughs> way through. Attitude. Yeah. Attitude. So I liked it. Uh, let's see. Uh, Marvin Gaye was uh, shot and killed by his father, Marvin Gaye Sr. in that's 1984. Pretty, that's pretty fucked up. It is pretty fucked up. 
to quote a, a band we have already talked about in this uh, in, in our in our podcast. Late term uh, abortion. Yes, yes, very late. Term. Very late term. Very late term. Ooh, I never thought about it that way, but right, that's right. exactly what it was. <laughs> well, it takes my body, my choice to a whole new meaning. Uh, <laughs> Mick Mick Fleetwood filed for bankruptcy in 1984. No shit. Yeah. He ran out of money. Ran out of money. Imagine that. Yeah. Iron Maiden kicked off their World Slavery Tour. Oh. What was the live album that came out of that? Uh, live After Death. Uh, the, the Red Hot Chili Peppers released their debut album in 1984. Was that really? like wow. that long ago? It was, uh, I believe it was Red Hot Chili Peppers. Oh, there was like freaking Red Hot Chili Peppers, Freaky Styling, Mofo Party Pan. Right. Oh. I didn't think they did shit worth shit until they got to that uh, uh, Blood Sugar Sex Magic? Or no, the one before it. What was the one before it? Um, Count I don't remember nine. the names of any of their albums. It was the first one know. they did with uh, John uh, Frusciante? John Frusciante, yeah. I forget, but that was good shit yeah. all right all right um uh barbara mandrell we all remember barbara mandrell right yeah uh, she was in a uh, a head-on automobile crash and almost died in 1984 was uh was was the drugs involved uh there may have been i mean you know you know how country singers are <laughs> right here's a really interesting one Born in the USA. You remember Born in the USA from yes. uh, Bruce Springsteen. Yeah. yeah. Is designated as the, and check this out, the first CD ever made in the United States in 1984. So, so I got a good one for you. So I remember, you remember the, the Springsteen box set? Yeah. 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 Uh, 75 to 85 yeah. live. Yeah. Live. Yeah. Um, so, I remember for whatever reason, my mom went batshit crazy on that thing. And she went out to like Walmart or whatever was the place to shop back then and bought like tons of copies of it. Hmm. I've got an unopened original live 75 to 85 Springsteen box set on vinyl that was out at her house when she passed wow and i i have no idea what it's worth but i gotta imagine it's worth something good yeah that's pretty that's impressive good wow that's amazing um two more all right vince neal we've all heard of vince neal perhaps yeah he was in a uh, he was in a little car accident. Razzle died uh, in the uh, in the car. In the car. Right, right. Uh, Vince Vince was drunk and I think he went to jail for thirty days, forty five days, something like that. And now he's an old fat white rock star that can't get out of bed and go on tour. Right. But yeah, he's a lot like us, except for the whole rock star part. 
I work at home, so I do get out of bed. I do wander down the hall for, you know, 30 feet. (laughs) So I discovered Hanoi Rocks like back in probably 86-ish. And they were an incredible band. They, they, They had four or five albums out, a live album. And uh, so much of a better band than fucking Motley Crue. But you know what? Shit didn't work out. Yeah. There's a lot of great bands out there that have a lot of great albums that nobody ever buys. Yep. Yep. And and quickly moving on to my last item from 1984. Uh, damn it. I, I, miss, I missed a great opportunity here. But... Uh, Keeping with our car wreck theme of 1984, uh, Rick Allen from Def Leppard was in a car wreck and lost his left arm in a car wreck. I knew that happened right around 83, 84. I wasn't sure which one it was. Yes. He was driving and his he USA he had his left arm out the window and bam, that was yep. it. Yeah. Okay. So when did Dang. I see them in concert? I, he was he was he had lost the arm when I saw him in concert. Must well, have been 86 or 87, something like that, maybe. 87-ish would have been when the uh what was, was the hysteria? Album? Hysteria came out 87, okay. Pretty certain it was hysteria tour. Yeah. You know, it 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 really uh so Rick Allen and, and, you know, Def Leppard and, and these albums and such, Mutt Lang was the producer on those things. Mm-hmm. And in, in both cases of um, what were the two big albums? One was like Pyromania and yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Pyromania and Hysteria. And, Hysteria. Um, there you go. Mutt Lang was the producer on both of them. And in both cases, he used a digital drum machine. None of that was, none of that was a human drummer. That is really? all synthesized. I, yeah, I, I, I didn't know that. Wow. I thought it, I well, thought they used digital drums, but I thought it was uh, electronic digital, not no. not computer digital. No, Mutt Lang refused that. He said a human cannot keep time as well as a computer. And that and, was that was kind of his attitude on those ACDC albums he did too. Um, Because he did Back in Black, and uh, I don't know that he did Highway to Hell, but I think he did whatever, what what came after Back in Black. Uh, And and then, you know, his other claim to fame was, you know, the the chick. Shania Twain? Shania Twain, yeah. 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 (laughs) Later, Shania Twain, yeah. But... uh, you know, hey, you know, the guy wrote wrote a lot of the soundtrack of the 80s with those albums. She sold a shit ton of albums in the day. Yeah, she you know. She's yeah. still out there in Vegas, man. Well, maybe not for too much longer. Blake Henderson's going down. Oh. <laughs> you, you, you've been reading the news about that? They keep finding bodies. Oh. Yeah. The... I, all the uh i was seeing that yeah 
every uh, every 10 don't feet cheat they the find more bodies <laughs> yeah don't cheat I'm the house like, I I damn mob. yeah i want to find hoffa get this settled yeah maybe hey everybody thanks for sticking with us as we talked about the joe pass blues dues album that's really not that easy to say okay so Come back next time when we talk about Sarah McLaughlin. That's not that easy to say either. And her album, Fumbling Towards Ecstasy. So until then, I hope all your late nights are good ones.